Podcasting from Lagos, the smallest state in Nigeria and the center for Nollywood, Africa's most popular film industry. This is Being More with Ibukun, a show inspiring African women to discover their identities, develop their leadership skills, and improve their finance so they can amplify their voices for more influence and impact. And I am your host, Ibukun Omolulu, a gender parity advocate who combines career with writing, public speaking, and is also Mrs. Alpha in a squad of testosterones. Good morning once again, everyone, and welcome to the second pre-summit session of Fund the Gap. Fund the Gap Alliance is the organization that um, is championing the dialogue and tackling the issue of underrepresentation in the allocation of venture capital funds for founders and entrepreneurs in Nigeria. My name is Bukoma Lulu. I am a gender advocate, <laughs> an author, a former banker, and um, a consultant. So let's get right into it. I would be introducing Elizabeth Pambuka, who's the chairperson, Institute of Directors Zimbabwe. Elizabeth Pambuka is the managing partner at Tand Invest. She also recently became the chairperson, Institute of Directors Zimbabwe chapter and vice president of growth of Pick Me Up, a Nigerian ride healing startup and sits on its board. From her base in Kuala Lumpur, she works with investors in Asia and Africa to help female-led startups get funding from the right investors. Thank you for joining us, Elizabeth. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Ibukun. It's lovely to be here. Awesome. Great. So, you are a managing partner at Tand Invest, which is a leading investment advisory and execution firm based in Malaysia. That was, I found that really interesting. Please tell us about your work at Tand Invest and just kind of walk us through your journey of how you got there and what you're doing with them. Well, um, I guess the, the inception of um, conception of Tan Invest began in 2018. I have been working in within the corporate KL financial sector for about six years at the time um, as an investment analyst I was working with institutional investors mostly my focus was in emerging markets um, and initially when 10 invest began it was really sort of I guess in quote and I don't like to use this term but the honest truth is it was like a side hustle something that I used to do with um, my government back home in Zimbabwe my parents um, had some ties with the Zimbabwean government at a point and um, every time they would need a connection of some sort with um, you know governments or they need a supply of equipment whether it's an agriculture mining I would somehow source it for them and connect them and I realized that I had a little bit of a knack for it and the more I did it the more I found myself really enjoying it so as Tiny Invest began um, when I finally left corporate Cal and decided I'm going to do this full-time I set it up in 2018 and um, my focus at the time was really just G2G funding I had not actually started looking at the startup ecosystem at all but 
within the year of you know really working with african governments i've worked with namibia zambia mozambique south africa zimbabwe all of these governments really facilitating foreign investment from china malaysia and just asian countries i then um realized just how tedious it is to work with governments <laughs> and it's such a long process there are payment you know payment troubles i remember i mean i'm talking about three years now so that i still have not received certain payments from you know facilitating some of these deals with governments and more and more i i really felt that um even when I, you know i was i was creating employment to the masses through some of the deals that i was facilitating i really wanted to focus on the entrepreneurial journey of an african and because of where i come from for me it was really about how do i empower some people you know young young girls or guys like myself who really want to kind of establish themselves and every time i'd speak to friends and they'd be like well we we need funding the problem is we just don't have funding for our ideas and i thought well why don't i try to start growing i already had a network through the fact that i was already working with institutional investors and um it was easy for me to kind of get in touch with some of my vc friends family office uh, associates that i knew already and i started to facilitate funding through VCs and you know family offices and investors from Asia on to the continent um I've facilitated now up to almost 18 uh you know deals for startups and uh back in 2020 is when I decided I wanted to start working more closely with the startup ecosystem especially with female founders um also because of the glaring funding gap that we already know aside from Africa per se but it, there's also such a huge gap even with female uh founders with regards to funding on a global scale and so I thought I really want to try and uh, do my part in trying to close that gap and the best way for me to try to do it is to is to make sure that female founders receive the mentorship receive the guidance the development that they need in order for them to make their startup market ready and then connect them to investors so that's when i decided to set up femtech which is the female founder uh, accelerator program now when we started uh, advertising and, and 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 you know putting it out there into the market really it was specifically for female founders on the continent but we were receiving very little um applications and I, i it's understandable because our accelerator program is not really established yet and it doesn't have a name everybody kind of wants to get into why combinator and so forth so we then opened it up to asian uh, female founders who had already started showing quite a bit of interest so our first cohort starts started in july and we have a total of six startups african women as well as asian women and i have found that to be such an interesting uh, mix because not only have we been able to establish sort of a a bridge between the two continents we've managed to kind of create this relationship between the different experience lived experiences of asian women that are also struggling in their own spaces here in asia with regards to funding support and then also working with african women who are also kind of going through the same thing so i guess this is pretty much in a nutshell what um I do with Tandy Invest. Fantastic. And I'm glad you actually touched on the accelerator because I was going to get there. <laughs> Now research has shown that 
women entrepreneurs often face numerous challenges, owning, challenges to finance and owning and starting up their business, just like you validated, especially in developed developing countries and i was really happy when you mentioned not just africa and asia because we see a lot of development uh, development going on in all those places now um according to the world bank okay ifc they estimate that there's a credit deficit of about 1.5 trillion dollars and i i and this was as a 20 um 2019 2020 so i kind of believe it would have increased <laughs> so from your experience on the funding side what are some of the most predominant barriers that you have experienced working with women and um, how they could navigate those challenges? I mean, you, you, you mentioned when you started the accelerator, you had very few people coming in. Yes, obviously people do not know you per se, but then there's also indications showing that um, women particularly do not you know, sometimes take themselves serious as well as other barriers. Um, from my experience working in banking and particularly women banking i have seen that women tend to be a bit timid and there are so there are many others and i don't want to believe it may be um peculiar to my location alone what are some of the barriers that you have experienced as well that have been a big issue and what can women do about it i absolutely love what you said with regards to just the the notion or I guess yeah um the idea that women typically tend to not advocate for themselves and this is not just with startups I think generally even in the corporate spaces you and I would probably know that better than anyone even when it comes to climbing up the corporate ladder right exactly you find that <laughs> really struggle with advocating for themselves even when it comes to uh you know setting themselves up for promotion and 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 speaking up about some of their achievements. I, I, I want to just give an example of something that I, I realized when I joined Clubhouse, um, and I'm sorry to deviate, but I remember joining Clubhouse, I think it must have been early this year. And every time I'd be in rooms where, because I typically like to be in the rooms of you know investors and so forth, every time a woman would come on stage um, and have to either introduce herself, you'd find that she speeds up through the introduction phase. It's almost as though she's afraid to really speak about her accomplishments, the things that she's achieved. On the flip side, man, you get a man who will make you sit there and listen to him for over five minutes and he's just talking about himself and he's going on and on. But women really just want to kind of get over it quickly so that, you know, and I don't know whether it's this imposter syndrome that we talk about a lot of just the fear of not wanting to be seen for our achievements. But I think this plays a really big role, even when it comes to the funding space, investment uh, arena. Mm -hmm. When as a startup, when you're approaching investors, you really need to believe in yourself, whether male or female, there's a, there's a, there's a need for you to make sure that if you don't believe in yourself, how would I as an investor actually believe in you? You know, I need to feel that energy from you first. And I think that's the first challenge that women typically um, struggle with. And I, I don't want to say it's a challenge, but it, it does play a really big role. Because if you can't advocate yourself, even at the investment, you know, pitch table, trying to invest, trying to, you know, gain funding, um, then who's going to who's going to help you out? So I think women really need to start changing that and I, I don't know what needs to be done I really because the truth of the matter is 
um, there's a saying that African startups receive way too much mentorship and also very little funding. So we, there are already mentorship programs that are in place and, and whether it's in, you know, in encouraging or motivational speeches or making sure that, um, you know, you're boosting your, 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 your morale or whatever it is. But at the same time, I think because of the fact that typically a lot of the investment that's coming into Africa is international based, maybe it is uh, the fear of just approaching and speaking to people that may not be of the same color or perhaps you know just not knowing what to say when you speak to people that seem or possibly more advanced or more experienced than you are so that's the first thing the second thing is the typical risk averse questions that are typically asked to women number one what happens when you fall pregnant what happens when you when you get married um, as opposed to men that are asked uh, more advanced questions in, in regards promotional questions as to oh well what what do we need to do to push your idea forward um i think that's the mm. first thing and this it comes from perhaps and not and, and, and you know, initially i used to think it was oh cultural uh biases from oh where we come from uh we come africa is typically a patriarchy uh you know culture but you see that not only in africa you see that even here women still find the same challenges so for me it's 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 those issues that really need to be addressed and understanding that Women can do just as much. I, I love the fact that you mentioned the World Bank. I think there was also another report recently that I read that stated that in order for Africa to, to grow where it actually needs to, uh, to be in, within the next two years, it rests solely on the development and the success of women entrepreneurship. And so until Africans say, for example, really Africans, because we need even as a continent to stop looking for funding coming from outside. We have diaspora remittances that are coming onto the continent that we really need to start utilizing. We have got so much money that's already available in Africa and we just need to start utilizing it in believing in our startup ecosystem. So um, I'm gonna stop here and I hope I have answered some of your questions because i'm rambling now <laughs> no you're not and what you said was spot on i mean the first session i was speaking with ifanaya who is one of the directors in, of partnerships at op and I, one of the questions i was asking was why have we found so much investors from asian countries from europe from america and then the african community themselves are not you know aggregating these funds. I mean, you mentioned something that was super brilliant. What is the diaspora doing in terms of, you know, creating something in the funding space for Africans? And it's just brilliant. And these are the kind of, um, you know, the thoughts we're trying to inspire and the conversations we're trying to get on so that people can think about it and see what can we do that Africans actually own a seat at the table. And it's not just, you know, investors from outside who are actually doing that. And I think that is really brilliant. You are now listening to Being More with Ibukun Omolulu, a podcast designed to help the African woman improve her lifestyle by creating more awareness through finance and leadership. the accelerators and incubator programs which you've mentioned and it's it's part of some of the things you do they can be really rigorous and competitive in terms of the selection process and i've, I've been 
<laughs> I've been part of the selection process from one side as a banker, and I've also been a candidate because I've applied for some in recent times. Now, given the peculiar context in Africa, where people from people from diverse backgrounds and educational experience, and they all apply for these programs, would you say personally that there's some form of bias towards the most educated and the most connected in getting some of these opportunities on the programs? So, bias, I'll be honest, I think to an extent, yes, there absolutely is. But also because when you come from a, an educated background, right? Um, we're talking about, you know, the Ivy League scholars, say for example. Mm. Mm. What the usually does for a person who's received that type of education also exposure it, it creates a network it allows you to have access to a network and we all know that your network is your net worth and so unfortunately it is the cards are already sort of um I guess the balance is already kind of the, the, the scale is already kind of tipped towards the guys that have had re- have received that type of or they have that exactly. access already and right and so it is unfortunate that that is kind of just the way it is um however i think it is also important for us that are in the investment community to recognize that an idea can come from anywhere and what's important is that especially on the continent of africa where we're saying we need to start identifying solutions to the problems that africa has if we find a startup or an entrepreneur or somebody or one person who has an idea that is really solving a problem within their community we need to identify that and make sure that we develop that and create a space for it to actually become continental and ultimately international right and so it for me it comes it, it's about honing those ideas and separating um the education and, and the backgrounds and so forth really bringing it down to the idea does the idea make sense how can we develop on it you know and this is why we should have more accelerators more incubators because that way we are now focused on specifically the idea and not so much as the person but while we are developing the idea we also help to develop the person, the person. because when they come on board they're not just going to invest in the idea alone they want to invest into the person so i think accelerators and incubators really need to play a big role in that and it comes down to the quality of the program of the accelerator as well as the incubator programs and speaking of um i want to just kind of say even as we were going through our application process with the accelerator program more and more we started to realize just the gap between the level of knowledge and um, experience of African startups when we're talking about accelerator level versus an accelerator stage of an Asian startup. And it comes down to even just the environment that is made conducive for the startup to actually grow and Mm. reach the levels of, okay, now the startup is now at a point where it's looking to scale up. Many African startups are really at the incubator stage, unfortunately. So it sometimes accelerate and, and also it, it really comes down to even us, the, the people that are setting up these hubs and accelerators and incubators to identify what stage a startup is at hmm. because we're creating all kinds of accelerator programs that sometimes don't fit the stage at which a startup is. So it, 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 it's a two-way mm. you know, part where 
one 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 responsibility is on the startup as well as the other side of it is with the incubators and the accelerator programs that we have not only on the continent but also worldwide fantastic and i think that was super insightful in terms of matching the the needs of this um, founders with the exact solutions that is required for them at the stage and the context of their of their growth fantastic okay so because we're almost out of time i'm just going to ask you one more question <laughs> from the audience so what kind of as a fund manager who has done quite a lot of this um either with the government or what kind of support do local fund managers need from the local ecosystem to um, help them get ahead? You know, there, we, there are indications to say that, that there are indications to show that local fund managers are underfunded, you know, most of the time. And it, it alludes to part of what I was saying about getting investors from um, identifying investors within Africa and getting investors abroad. What kind of support, in your own opinion, do you think local fund managers need from the local ecosystem? <laughs> Oof, okay. Um aside from 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 funding um hopefully you know i i always talk about the diaspora remittances because i think they play a really big role into um the development of africa you know as a whole we're looking we're talking about billions of dollars and if we're able to tap in to even at least five percent of that it would make a huge impact not only to the ecosystem but as well as even to the to the to the fund managers that we're talking about um i would love love to 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 have another conversation as to how can we tap into the diaspora remittances I'm, and Shagun is on the call Shagun listen you need to set up another conversation around that so we can really we can really find ways in which even if it means we're creating a vehicle that we're saying okay um, we need to tap into this diaspora remittances and and ensure that you know uh, more funding that is African funding that is going into African startups. That's the one part. The second thing is it's about um, the ecosystem. It's it's really about as I was saying earlier, incubators and the accelerators and those who work with startups one on one or hand to hand. It's about creating and developing um, quality startups mm. that. Are, are ready, ready, really ready for investment and for quality investment as well. That would help the fund managers to identify, you know, the right startups, and so that we can have, you know, more unicorns or gazelles, whatever we want to call them in Africa. And also, just I feel like there's also this 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 uh, notion of um, sort of trying to replicate the Silicon Valley investment model that um you know everybody kind of wants to try to replicate and i think it's about really trying to identify what works for africa and building a model around it because if we continue to try to replicate what the us um you know is stipulating and it is setting as standards yes we want to 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 be a, we want to compete globally but then we also need to recognize that some of our environments are not conducive enough as the ones that are in the developed countries so if we can create a model even for the fund managers uh, that enables them to identify the startups without that much pressure that you know is been set by silicon valley i think it would be really helpful Fantastic, Elizabeth. This has been super insightful and really engaging and enlightening. You know, 
um, speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time. We are grateful that you could, you know, commit this time to sharing with us. And we are extremely, extremely grateful. Thank you for the insight. And we look forward to doing more with you. Thank you so much, Ibukun. And thank you to everybody that it was. this was really great and fun at the same time. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for listening to Being More with Ibukun Omolulu. If you like her show and want to know more about it, please check out my website at www.ibukunomolulu.com or please leave us a review on Google Podcast, Anchor or SoundCloud. Join us next week for another dose of amazing and valuable content.